0: Welcome to this edition of...
1: What's Korean Cinema?
0: Hello and welcome to What's Korean Cinema. I am your host, Stuart Sutherland. And joining me this evening, we've got Ken. Hey. And we've got Martin Cleary from newkoreancinema.com. Hello. So, this is uh, our new show. Basically, we are establishing ourselves in plenty of different shows. Basically, this is our Korean cinema show. And it has been, funnily enough, titled What's Korean Cinema? Due to the fact that Ken said it three years ago. And I thought, (laughs) this is a great idea for a podcast, definitely. What did that guy say once? Genius! But...
1: Good ideas are never too late to execute, sir.
0: Mm-hmm. Three years later, boom! You woke up in the I middle
1: of the night that. in cold sweat?
0: Margaret, get me a pen!
1: <laughs> What's Korean? <a brilliant laughs> sit-
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, hi, so it's really just a chance for us to talk about like, some much loved Korean movies that we don't really get the chance to talk about on other shows, such as Podcasts on Fire. So, our main focus for tonight's episode would be, would be, will be uh, My Sassy from 2001. But, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, so, um, I actually thought a good way to, like, to introduce ourselves, but we're just done. Uh, a good way to kind of let the audience know how experienced we are in this field, I just want to ask our guest for this evening, uh, what's your history with Korean cinema? Uh Ken?
1: Well, it was around that time, wasn't it? Around 2000 and 2001, where like a boom happened. And a lot of uh, Western attention got directed towards uh, Korean, uh, Korea. At least that's what I gathered. Again, again I'm a very much a novice. And I was, I, I was certainly following uh, the forums when I was more active on forums. And people listing like every day a new Korean limited edition with loads of extras and another movie. Everybody... Needed to get and everybody saw it. it was like it seemed like every movie is a great movie because that's what all people were talking about and this is maybe like even like pre infernal affairs because no one was talking about Hong Kong cinema at that time, and I was um I wanted to try it out, but it was so hard to choose. I, I, I knew of Simple Fifth Missed of Engage and knew a few titles and Simple Fifth Missed of certainly so had a rep about it and therefore for being violent essentially. So therefore I kind of was thinking I'll get that one first but I ended up being convinced to get Nowhere to Hide first. And I don't regret it, regret it actually. It might be a poor start uh, for, for a novice Korean cinema fan but I was I kind of liked it, this uh, visually very kooky and interesting and beautifully visually movie as well. One of the multi-mood things that I kind of was on board with. Uh, I've never been against that as I'll talk in the review of my Sassy Girl, I'm certainly not against the multi-mood experience. And Noah Taha was kind of cool. and uh, by now, like that classic uh, scene with the usage of the B.G. song Holiday is certainly classic, uh, so well put to use. And uh, it's a fun, easy film that probably doesn't mean anything, but it's just a fun visual ride. And uh, I, I, now that I'm talking about it, I, I wish I'd followed that director a lot more, so I'll, 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 I'll put our guest on the spot a little bit more. Do you know anything about the director of uh, Noah's Tide?
2: Uh, I can't remember who the director is. I'm just looking <laughs> who that is.
1: But but that was essentially it and I, I haven't seen a lot since then, but I've seen a few of the classic like the Park Chan Walk films and uh and have have you know one of my favourite directors for a few movies anyway, I haven't followed him extensively is uh, Kim Ki-duk, who, who I really should dislike because he's bordering on that very pretentious uh arty filmmaking. But I I've still gotten I've understood his films and also been immersed in them when I've kind of not understood them exactly. It's about mood. Uh, I like The Island. I do not understand it fully, but I do like it overall. I, I remember liking Bad Guy a whole lot, mm-hmm. just because it's such a, I wouldn't say taboo subject, but, but it certainly not a plot that you draw in mass audiences via. And and that title is very apt, uh, the English title, it's really about a bad guy and this odd relationship if I remember correctly that he forms with uh, a girl I think <laughs> that he wow. probably abuses at the beginning of the movie or something like that Uh, uh but it's good and uh, it, for, it, it was fun for me to you, you remember the end of bad guy where they it's, it's a long scene where I think they're just sitting on a beach and there's this uh, uh kind of religious song playing kind of choir-like song religi- religious hymn if you will Uh I, I, I know it's kind of is that because it's a Swedish recording artist's song, and she's very much into you know uh, religion and all of that. So it was kind of amusing. Hey, he picked a Swedish song basically based on how it sounded to him. Kim uh, Ki probably. Uh, but 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 it's it's overall still. A, I, I do sporadic dips into Korean cinema because I do. I don't have enough time to focus on everything. So uh, you pick and choose, really. But uh, I have a a, a few favorites, like Save the Green Planet is probably my favorite Korean movie. Again, (laughs) the the multi-mood experience that when it works, it's beautiful. When it doesn't work, it's like a car crash. Mm -hmm. And uh, that guy pulled it off. And I don't think he's made too many movies, that director. But uh, I would love to see if he made it again, and, and uh, or if that was a one-off, uh, Save the Green Planet. Cried and laughed and was horrified at that movie. Man, <laughs> what, a, what a great movie. So so yeah, that's essentially it. The thing is, why I'm not watching a lot of Korean cinema is the fact that they're very long movies, and I, I'm allergic to long movies, usually. I, I have a hard time sitting down with movies that, on paper, shouldn't be two hours and twenty minutes long, because they're But uh, in Korea, that seems to be the norm, and that's all there is to say, I guess. Hmm.
0: All right, Myron, what about you?
2: Um, Well, fairly similar to Ken, actually, where I was, you know, sort of on the different forums, and I was writing for KFC Cinema at the time, so I was mainly into Hong Kong stuff. But everyone was talking about all these Korean films that were coming through, and um, well, the first two that I saw was. Uh, Nowhere to Hide, same as Ken and Shiri, which is the it was the big blockbuster film that really sort of, I think, pushed Korean cinema sort of into different markets. And I hated both of them. I thought they were... Um, I think everyone had said, oh, Korea's the new Hong Kong, and, you know, kind of expecting these um, Hong Kong-style action films. And especially Nowhere to Hide, I think that was kind of came out during a period where most of the Hong Kong films I'd seen at the time were kind of the wire Kung Fu films, kind of the tail end of the Once Upon a Time in China films, those kind of, it it was before the uh, Infernal Affairs and the, um, say like the new Donnie Yen style of films, those kind of, and um, and so I didn't really know what to make of them, to be honest, and I just thought, okay, Korean cinema, that's like a cheap version or... wasn't really sure what it was. So um, it was only through being sent screeners to review while I was on the uh, Kung Fu Cult Cinema website. I started seeing a few different films. And um, when I saw Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, which I actually thought was a Japanese film, I think mm-hmm. I'd seen the trailer and the guy with the, uh, the bright green hair and for some reason just associated that with, OK, this is a Japanese film. <laughs> and when, when I watched that film, it just absolutely floored me. I had no idea what to expect. And it's just this totally brutal film. And it was one of those films where by the time I got to the end of it, I was like, was, was that real? You know, kind of. I, I actually rewatched it because I'd hired it. And then um, went back to the video store and hired. They had a uh, joint security area. And so I hired that, and by the time I got to the end of that, I was like, okay, I totally got these films wrong, and I'm I'm coming at them from totally the wrong way. So um, from then on, just started sort of keeping an eye out a bit more, really, and kind of seeing what films were going around. And um, like like Ken says, a lot of them are like really long films and i think that's probably the next thing that it took me to kind of get over like compared to some of the you might get a 75 80 minute kung fu film and then you pop on a korean film that's like a good two hours long and it's, it takes a big getting used to maybe so <laughs> so really from there it was kind of my first experience with korean cinema because i was expecting something else wasn't wasn't a smooth ride into it, but from there, it just kind of grew on from there, they, mainly because they make a lot of uh, genre films, a lot of horror films, and so started seeking those out, really. It's odd to me that someone managed
1: to make the comparison to a New Hong Kong and get it apparently spread out a little bit over the internet, because I think that's a very crap comparison. Especially when you look back anyway, I mean, what was Hong Kong about it? Just because there were good films com- coming out of an Asian country and it, Hong Kong was not that country.
2: It, exactly. I, th- I think that was, uh, I mean, there were a few action films and I, I think at, at the same time there was the comedies that we'll talk about later on. But I think a few big action films came out and I think that was their first comparison, which is a bad comparison. Um, there was also a film called uh, Friend. I don't know if you've seen that, which came out, I think, in 2000, and um, it wasn't the worst comparison in the world. But I remember someone said, well, the way it was described was like the first half of um, Bullet in the Head. So basically, mm-hmm. saying it's a story about friends growing up in their hometown. Which I kind of understand the comparison, but it doesn't to say it's like Hong Kong cinema is like a, right. hell of a stretch. There, there was also a, a book. Um, called Korea, I think it was The New Hong Kong. Um, <laughs> okay. some, s- something similar to that around the time. It's, it's actually a really good book. It's actually really worth looking at it. But I think, like I say, kind of coming from... I, I can't think of a whole lot to kind of compare it to Hong Kong, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. it's, I think it's probably just a Western shortcut. Sure. I mean, no, I, I won't object to...
1: Simplifying something to get audiences in—maybe that was the purpose of whoever coined it first. You sure. know, uh, you can't be—you can't be playing to a specialized audience all the time. You—you know—you gotta get—you gotta lure them in with some candy, I guess. And, uh, and Hong Kong certainly had a uh, Hong Kong cinema is a is a buzzworthy thing. So, so why not? And I mean, uh, the movies spoke for themselves. They overall, as you said, I never got the impression that oh, here we go, the fifth. You know, a heroic bloodshed movie out of Korea, ala 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 a- Jung and all that. Uh, but uh, just to draw a slight comparison to Bullet in the Head and uh, what, what you were saying too about sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, essentially that was my experience with Bullet in the Head. Uh, uh, my first Hong Kong movie, and it kind of just floored and destroyed me. And I watched it again. Uh, it's so emotionally draining and uh, very brutal film as well uh, uh, not as funny as Mr. Vengeance because I, I think that's a very funny film at times as, as well, as well as JSA I think it's a, but it's a case of the human is very suitable uh, because it's human people uh, interacting mm-hmm.
0: So um, for me, I really got my first taste of Korean cinema uh, from James Aylmore he'd actually posted me a VHS copy of *Shiri*. So I think we were all caught in the same triangle here of uh, being overflowed with Tartan Korean cinema. <laughs> so I watched it, and I was like, "Damn, these women aren't very nice, are they? <laughs> like female assassins? Whoa!" I I reckon if that was like, like the reason I had to see this movie, but it did. There was a a, kind of a good thriller, and. I think I spent years saying, oh, Ahsan Key, the guy in that film, was so amazing. I realised he was in it. I was like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it, it must have been Toyman Sick or someone, but I totally went barking up the wrong tree, like, <laughs> holding this guy on a great pedestal. And he was like, wrong guy.
1: I'm gonna write a book about him now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and after that, it was pretty much um uh, experiment. I never knew much. I never... I'd do the opposite and I never really look into much uh, Korean films so it was a case of blind buys off of eBay uh, like Attack the Gas Station which like brains splattered over the wall after seeing that movie I was like whoa what the <laughs> like could that be a movie I mean, it's, it was literally the case of Attack the Gas Station it's like right I need to see the movie to understand what the hell that title means <laughs> because pretty much if you go into attack the gas station the gas station blows up station wins but aye see <laughs> I no totally didn't have the mind thought at all for Korean cinema but it was it was that and then um a black and white copy of My Sassy Girl was next
1: what uh, oh not, li- no, not literally, just a bootleg? Or What are you talking about?
0: Um, it was a VHS owner. had recorded three movies on a long play video. <laughs> and uh, three DVDs.
1: This looks arty. I like recorded
0: this. recorded onto a VHS. So it was uh, Mad Monkey Kung Fu, My Sassy Girl, and something else. All in the one cassette. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, each that's, one of them were in black and white.
2: That's a good double bill.
0: I was, I was my a
2: Mad Monkey Kung Fu.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> so I, I, I did have like it wasn't the case of going in the rental shop and picking up half a dozen flicks. Mine's really did come in dribs and drabs, and then buying a old boy bootleg because it was r- really cheap on eBay, and that was one that like blew my mind again, and I had to like pass that around to all the guys in the, my class at college and he would take it home and the next day he would come back and get it to the other guy and like fucking all these, like what the fuck is this <laughs> so I eventually did bite the bullet after old boy and started picking up everything but a lot of it was like gifted to me like just as like Christmas presents the uh, right he likes those Asians hmm mm. and then they see the tartan section so right we'll get him these 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 and like one year I received like two copies of JSA, it's like <laughs>
1: <laughs> but how, how was UK television exposure uh, eventually
0: um, well, it, in the past few years it's been relatively good but back because I got into Asian cinema around 2002 so it wasn't well, 2, 3 and then I think it was maybe maybe about two thousand five that I discovered Korean cinema. So at that point, I think it was unheard of, or
1: mm.
0: I neglected it because the language wasn't Cantonese. <laughs> like that that was my habit of running like reading through the TV magazine at the movie listings and just looking at language instead of titles. Cantonese Thunderbolt, Jackie Chan. And that's be, that's uh, cute and the next day at school I was like what's Cantonese because it was, it was like Chinese and there's like Cantonese and English like cat, cat and I was like that's just Chinese yes that was a fucking idiot
1: Oh <laughs> uh, hell! There's a lot of there's a lot of dialects and languages and all that to keep track of. I mean, uh, I mean, I got like a mainland movie many years ago, and the language officially on the back said it was Henanese, mm-hmm. which is a variant of Mandarin, I believe. Uh, well, well I, I, I'm fairly sure what it is, but I was like, is this a mainland Hong Kong movie? Can I review it on on my site? Is it is it maybe Korean? I don't know. So you're not an you're not an idiot too.
0: So that was pretty much my history. So, um...
1: but do you remember Martin? If there was uh, any TV exposure or UK TV never caught on Korea as such.
2: Um, like Stu said, I think only really in the last few years. Prob probably the uh, Park Chan Wook films. So since the Revenge trilogy, I know film four here show um, show a few films. Mm. Um, mainly kind of obvious stuff, but they've shown, like, The Chaser recently on one of the BBC channels. Right. So so there's a few. It's um, probably just creeping up in the same way as they've been showing, um, you know, some of the Chinese cinema, uh, sort of the occasional Hong Kong film. So there's not a whole lot shown anyway, but there's probably Korean films probably get a fair share of it, sort of... uh, like I say, mainly on Film 4, mainly on one channel, so... Mm-hmm. Th- there's a bit.
0: <laughs> and there was on the strangest occasion that... Uh, I remember BBC2 showing uh, Take Care of My Cat. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And that was like a like a midnight or two o'clock in the morning type release... Oh, not release, uh, showing.
2: Yeah, so- that... That was one of the... That was really early as well. They showed that, like, years ago.
0: Mm-hmm. That was, like, the once in a blue moon. It wasn't until, like, years later, until the big boom kicked off. And then you kept seeing, like, Film 4 advertise an old boy or the host.
1: So... Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm asking really because uh, UK TV seem to be always really kind to Asian movies. You know, you know back in the day, showing Hong Kong movies, uh, season of Hong Kong movies. You know, your police stories, so maybe Mr. Vampire as well. And, and I've spoken about a lot, maybe even Spooky Encounters Two on UK TV. So uh, I'm, I'm asking from my perspective in Sweden because we never got any of that.
0: Mm-hmm. So. But I uh, is like some channels just show the strangest <clears throat> things for. Next to no reason, like it's. It makes sense that we got like uh, the host during like a, a monster weekend on film four, where it's mixed in with, uh, that movie where they go into the caves and there's creatures in it and all that. Right, forgot about it. The descent. descent. Yeah. That's it. Aye, like it was mixed in with that. Like after the descent finished at uh, ten past two in the morning, then the host would come on. <laughs> so it was really in that sense like that's how they kind of got exposed but uh, Sky movies classics would show Encounters of the Spooky Kind 2 for what reason? <laughs> yeah. How so, did they acquire this? What? Eh? What? And no other movies at all related to any Asians in man. Yeah. just like here's some random Samo at 8pm
1: <laughs> <laughs> It seemed to like um since there's so much distribution rights in the UK, I guess uh, that makes sense. Also, that it gets to TV eventually. I mean, uh, uh, the Tartan uh, Tartan stuff got on TV, and the Chase got on TV. So I guess it makes sense that uh, you know the, the more the more movies are picked up, eventually there there's a good chance they'll be on TV. Mm-hmm.
2: I, th- I think um, Tartan went through a funny phase with its f- film rights, didn't it? And it's been picked up by. Palisades, Tartan, the films as well. So I, I think for a few years as well, some of the films were in sort of a bit of limbo in terms of who had the rights or who could show it because I think Tartan became, um, for someone to pick it up, it would have been really costly. So you might see, I know love film, um, do their streaming service and they've got a lot of those titles on there now. Yeah. So so they, they might appear on there. On terrestrial TV, or is, is it terrestrial anymore? Digital TV? <laughs> <laughs> I
0: mean, definitely, if we've got access to such things like uh, spring, summer, autumn, spring.
1: winter, and spring. Aye. I guess. Yeah. And summer. So five, uh, five, um, uh, there's five seasons <laughs> Halloween,
0: Easter. Aye. That one. Like. <laughs> Like it, it was a big shock to me finding out. Like BBC Four decided to show the Chaser. Like, f- and I don't think that was related to anything else they were showing at the time, was it? I think that just out of the blue.
2: Was, yeah, just a just a late showing.
0: because <laughs> sometimes they've done things. There was, I'm pretty sure it was like a Japanese cinema thing. So they showed uh, ping pong, uh, a couple of Beat Takeshi films, and they had like the odd uh, documentary about Japanese culture. So all fitted, but then over like out of nowhere, like here's the chaser for you. Like we get thrown a bone every once in a while.
2: <laughs> uh, random. The the only other thing I can think of is um, Jonathan Ross did a short series. To even call it a series, I think it was like three episodes, was it? Yeah, Where There was one on Hong Kong cinema, one on Japanese cinema, and there was one on Korea. Yeah. Was, was there another one? Um, but um, yeah, and that that was uh, the kind of thing where they they could surround it by some of the films, but uh, that just sort of came and went. And yeah, thank you very much.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, he couldn't get a, you couldn't get another incredibly strange picture show on TV again, I guess. But uh, but uh, Jennifer Ross should, you know, get all the kudos in the world for not introducing, but you know, highlighting cult cinema, way back in the 80s and all of that. So, uh, I recommend anyone to go on YouTube and search out uh, Jonathan Ross's old episodes where he interviews uh, Herschel Gordon-Lewis, Sam Raimi, and uh, even Troy Hark. I think, uh, and, and, and and Jack Chan. So, uh, I mean, it's great fun to watch those shows back uh, in the 80s where, where Hong Kong cinema, uh, where a- Asian cinema in general, cult cinema had not broke. So, it's kind of cool.
0: So, Enough of that. (laughs) Uh, Let's go for a short break. So, our topic for this evening is the uh, My Sassy Girl from 2001, directed by uh, Kwak Jae Young. It's based on a series of true stories posted by uh, Kim Ho-Sik on the internet describing his relationship with his girlfriend. Uh, these were later transformed into a best-selling book. It describes the meeting of Kun Woo, uh, played by Che T Hyun, and an unnamed girl, played by Jun Ji Hyun. Uh, Kun Woo is shamed into assisting this girl after being mistaken for her boyfriend. Because that like, got shit-faced on the train and threw up, and once Kanu actually helps her, and he actually develops this deep sense of a responsibility, which enables him to tolerate the girl's abuse. Yes, that's my badly-worded plot for this movie. But it's a romantic
1: thriller <laughs> based on the way you ended it.
0: <laughs> she just slaps fuck at him. And it gives in. Two hours of that. So, um, due to like the the small ripples of internet waves that Ken was causing a couple of days ago. <laughs> I want to hear your opinion first, Ken. What did well, you think I, of my sassy girl?
1: I didn't like it. Details. Okay. And I'm being a uh, being totally honest here, and not, I'm not going to be angry for the sake of being angry, and not be angry. New police story style. I'm not going to rip my sassy girl a new sasshole. Kind uh, <laughs> of thing. All the
0: deleted, all the deleted content for the new police story episode is shocking. The, like racial abuse and everything. Jesus, like a fucking drunken sailor.
1: Yeah, that was me that night. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, ja- Jack Chan. Uh, but. Uh, it, it's kind of funny. I watched 1 hour and 21 night and the rest uh, the other night. And this is all based on a director's cut that is long. Uh, so at one point, I was willing to decidedly say, I don't get it. I don't understand it. But after finishing it, I can say, I get it. But I don't side with it, the movie, at all. And uh, it's It's not because I'm not used to a movie... Being, um, I would say, multi-mood experience. I'm all for that. Some of my favorite movies are Rule Breakers of the greatest kind. You know, a movie like Running on Karma the Johnny Two, Y white car film. That should not work, that movie. It's funny and it's deep and it's kind of symbolic and it's strange and well. Uh, So... The, this is like My Sassy Girl This is very eccentric It's very odd The first one hour and twenty It's a very kooky tale Of this very odd And abusive relationship And we, which, which is Something I like The, the things I'm going to say I really like on paper And Both these characters Are kind of messed up Especially <laughs> The male character Is like uh, His parents Wanted him to uh, They wanted a girl so they raised him as a girl. Uh, this is says that in some like, Whoa, 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 issues. I thought that was uh, kind of cool. And, um, and then he meets this mystery woman with violent and random tendencies. Obviously, there's issues behind that as well. And uh, obviously, this is a very difficult woman to handle. And it's kind of brave of him to try and handle her. And uh, the results are very darkly comical, obviously, in, uh, with uh, the violence uh, towards him. Verbally and physical being uh, sort of a highlight. I, I kind of like that. And she's fun when essentially she's saying, if you don't do that, I'll kill you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and, and it's kind of, I, I like the short kind of fret that way. You don't need to be complicated with your fret. And she says it very well. But yeah. uh, it's it, it, its more like individual stuff works for, for this movie. And, and I'm like, uh, this mix uh, that... Uh, you know, the opening, by the way, i got to say first, the opening suggests that we're going to reach some real emotional humanity by the end. And then it launches into what happens in the first half, in the second half, and over time, as the uh, kooky, jumpy, wobbly uh, on-screen titles say. And uh, I could be very much on board with this intention, uh, but I, I, I wasn't. It doesn't work. I, I think it's that simple. For me, it doesn't work. Many... Tangents, like odd tangents of quirky deadpan humor from uh, Jun Ji Hyun, doesn't really work, even the vomiting on the train. I it was like, oh no, I did simply did not find that funny, uh, despite the director pushing the scene quite a bit. You know, where he doesn't let us, uh, I assume this is a male director, by the way, um, he doesn't let us out of the scene. Easy. So I started to get annoyed that. There's a lack of fun for me and care towards the crazy stuff, and I think the scene that just essentially made me like throw out my arms. What the hell? Is this like military scene at the amusement park where they end up in the room with this heartbroken uh, military <laughs> guy with a weapon? And I was like, what? What is going on? And it goes on and on and on. I don't. And she just cries in the middle of it, and it's it's very random. You know what I mean? I don't know what to feel but if I'd find it funny I kind of would be on board with it. But it's so I think I ended right about the squash game which I think was good because it's it, it, and went back to it the day after and uh, and then the movie took this different turn and uh, we realized all these issues under the surface of Jun uh, ji Hyun and uh it certainly is human. All the reveals and uh, and some aha moments are pretty. You know, you I was kind of on board with that. Aha, that's what that meant. That she was doing to him earlier in the film. Mm-hmm. You know, all the uh, issues in her past. Uh, it has to do with. I'm not going to spoil it for people, obviously. But 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 it wasn't really enough to make me care, and especially not when the movie is 137 minutes uh, in the director's cut version. You know, uh, this this whole reveal uh, starts well before the movie is on its home stretch. And uh, uh, essentially, it all boils down to the director failing at getting me, this audience, on board for the contrasting halves. You know, one being out there, one being emotional. Uh, And one character even said what I was thinking. Uh, in the subtitles in a way, that time is being wasted on stupid thoughts. <laughs> and it, it's uh, uh, no. It, I, I think the second half, though, it contained the most fun scenes for me on an individual basis, as um, uh, in terms of quirky scenes, especially when uh, he, he meets her father, this uh, drunken uh, father who uh, just passes out in the middle of the scene all of a sudden, and then that's that. That kind of deadpan quirky humour, uh, I'm 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 very, very much a fan of uh, in uh, in concept. I mean, I've seen it in Johnny To movies, for, for instance. That always brings to mind this uh, deadpan blank people staring at each other, not saying anything. And uh, even when uh, Kung Wu uh, pulls out a condom out of his pockets when he's asked to empty the content of his pockets, and uh, eventually pulls out a condom by mistake, uh, that father. I was like, oh, that's it's fun. And uh, so it hits a, a little bit of stride in terms of that. But also for a few mi- minutes, it's a stride when being quite normal, when concentrating only on that relationship, that abusive relationship. And I thought if it had pulled itself back a little bit and um, been a bit more simpler, in in my opinion, then it would have worked for me. Uh, because I, the, the, my favorite scene is that scene on the train where they both are in on the abuse game, you know, he can abuse her, she can abuse him, where they draw the line on uh, the floor and they think about like if he passes it with his right foot, you hit me and and vice versa, you know. But uh, no I I, I, I wasn't on the board and uh, by the emotional end I just you know end already. End. So uh but but the, do you know at all anything about uh the director's cut, there uh, any general notes to be said about the director's cut of the film?
0: Um, yeah, I've got right up here in front of me the now, and it is like there is a, a fourteen minutes of deleted. Well, it's extended by fourteen minutes, mm-hmm. which actually is an 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 additional nineteen scenes in the movie. All right. Okay. These are all cut throughout. It's all things from uh, when the. When he's regist- well, signing in at the wee motel and the yeah, the receptionist is reading out everything he says, and it's yep. like all, all the banter between.
1: That was one of the scenes I like, by the way, uh, when he's uh, when he's when he's writing uh, his info and the guy's looking over his shoulder. I kind of like that.
0: <laughs> then it's all the overreacting when he's being dragged to prison, well, prison to the jail cell with the triads, all the stuff with the triads, or mm. well, not. The Korean equivalent of triads yes. is missing as well as um, when he he gives uh, Jin Ji Hoon's script to the, the film and company yeah. and the guy yeah. throws up. Like, scenes right. like that are missing. But one of my favourite scenes, like one of the gags that makes me always piss myself laughing is when uh, Jin Hoon is going to like dress in like, his camouflage when he was going to the rose to see the girl nice. his mum mistakes him for a burglar and kicks the shell like, <laughs> she jabs him with a rolling pen and pins him doing like, that's actually a deleted scene ah. like, that was 39 seconds of gold mm.
1: another individual thing I like that he can't escape the abuse in his life he has like abuse around him and then he meets this girl so again great concepts for, for me, is I, I don't dislike the thoughts in it, but uh, for, for me it doesn't, really doesn't gel. But the good stuff that was cuts, some of the stuff I liked.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of regret ordering that Hong Kong DVD now. <laughs> <But> <laughs> anyway, I will we'll share the link for this post on the the website anyway, for those that are really keen to see all 19 scenes and what they're yeah.
1: about. Yeah, there's a gallery uh, in the link. Uh, 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 Steel's Gallery.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, any other notes you would like to share with us Ken?
1: I think, I think that was it. a Strain, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very honest with the film, but you know what? I, I'll honestly say this. If it wasn't for the show, I would have stopped the movie around about that one hour, one hour twenty, because I was very, very frustrated and I was not keen on finding out what happened. But, i um I'm satisfied that I did watch it because I didn't expect what I saw in the second half, but uh, still, you know, it was, it was critical for a moment there. Mm-hmm. But, but I don't regret it. I, I'm not that kind of viewer. Give me my two hours back. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of shit. No.
0: Mm-hmm. So, uh, Martin, I'll ask you this question in a sense. How did you first come across uh, my Sassy Girl?
2: Um, well, My Sassy Girl was one of those sort of uh, early 2000 Korean films that everyone was raving about. But um, I wasn't very keen on watching it because it was a romantic comedy and especially like <laughs> a two-and-a-half-hour romantic comedy. <clears throat> so um, so it <laughs> sat on my shelf for ages. I, I think I ordered it on, and it must have sat on my shelf for at least a year, probably getting on for two and then one day I just... Kind of thought. Oh, okay, I've got, to, I've got to give it a go. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I liked it. Like I say, I'm, I'm not a fan of romantic comedies, and for the reasons that Ken has just said that he didn't like this one. Normally, I struggle with, um, you know, the actual characters and what's going on, and the the fact that the scenes don't tend to work. But, um one of the reasons why I liked it and it's one of the few romantic comedies that I did like is because they did work for me. I, um... I... I think if you're not hooked by the train scene where she's throwing up on the guy's head and he takes off his wig and she throws up again, I think that... the chances are you're not going to love the film. <laughs> if, if you can buy that scene, then... I think it hooks you because that cracks me up every time. But, um... Yeah, from from there. I mean, the, the comedy is really broad all the way through, and uh, I probably agree. Like you say, the scene with the uh, where he visits um, her dad, and those kind of scenes, where it's, it's maybe sort of sharpened up a little bit, they they work really well as well. But if I think if you if you don't buy the broad comedy, then uh, you're not going to buy the whole film. <clears throat> so. What's yeah, your take I, on that
1: uh, scene at the amusement park with the, with the military? I was like, this is very surreal.
2: Well, actually, when Stu just said, I, I haven't seen the, um, I guess it's the theatrical version with the 19 uh, missing scenes. Mm-hmm. But um, I would have guessed that they would have been taken out, or at least partly from that scene. So yeah. I, don't, I don't know whether that's one of them, but what he's just said, it, uh, yeah, the surprisingly
0: scenes... Not.
2: Yeah, well, the scenes you just listed are actually, um, like you said, like really key. They're, they're probably the scenes that make you buy into it mm-hmm. um, a lot more. I mean, especially the checking into the hotel, and that they're kind of, uh, you know, reoccurring gags to sort of mm-hmm. keep it keep it ticking over. I think. So it's kind of uh, it. It is a long film, but I'm also I'm not sure trim it down with the, possibly the exception of that fairground scene, which. Um, You asked what what I thought of it I do like the scene I think it goes on a bit Um, I think it's supposed to be This uh, The the thing with My Sassy Girl is It changes the pacing I think it tries to misstep you Because Mm -hmm. it's It's a very standard Romantic comedy In terms of the beats In that this couple meet each other They don't like each other Eventually they learn to like each other when they want to be together then something happens to you know your standard romantic Mm -hmm. comedy story and I I think that with the um, scenes with her scripts and there's a scene in it where he is drinking with his friends and he runs out and chases her he doesn't recognise her in the street he runs out and chases her and then she turns around and chases him that then skips back to like earlier that day and I, I think it's trying to skip around to kind of uh, keep you interested at, at one point, but also add to the kind of the kooky nature of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, the fairground scene is probably, I think it works really well in that it's kind of like, completely goes tits up for him, but mm-hmm. m- might might go on a little bit too long.
1: I just couldn't see, like, I, I thought it just came out of nowhere. Where, where is this character doing this military guy was obviously heartbroken as well and 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 I stopped myself there thinking like okay maybe it doesn't have to do with anything maybe it's just adding onto the theme of being heartbroken which is very obvious in the film uh, fairly early on uh, even though it's key later in the film as well so yeah why not be a bit pretentious and stuff and I was like <sighs> goes on and then she starts crying and I was like it from that point where I this has, is dangerously close to being totally frustrating. uh but, but it's the strange thing. I I'm totally on board with such things. But it's the you know you don't laugh at all comedy in the world. You know and you don't uh, you don't think all romance is is funny and, uh, and uh, romantic in every movie. And it's the same with quirky, deadpan, and kooky stuff. Not all uh, such movies are in that regard. So, so I'm I'm o- I'm open for anything and just rule break the shit out of everything. Shorter though, <laughs> In a shorter way though.
2: But <laughs> well, that that scene has got a good moment in it though, where he uh, the uh, the guy asks the soldier if he'll let her go, and he says no, and then he says, "Will you let me go?" So, see <laughs> that? That was cool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the only thing it was like i can notice on like the imdb page and, like the forums on there a lot of people also dislike the scene but that could only ring a bell to me in the sense like that possibly could have been one of the more eventful real life instances for that couple yeah maybe because as it says it's a guy's adventures with his girlfriend which is based on true stories so that, like, that would be some pretty weird shit to make up for a film. <laughs> yeah. So, right, he Who sneaks knows? into a fairground, and there's a deserted soldier, and he holds him at gunpoint, and then the army arrive. <laughs> like, that's one of these things that had, had to have really happened, or what's the fuck that did in this movie?
2: Yeah. No. What what did, um, so like the fairground scene kind of takes you out there, what did you think to the script scenes, where he reads her scripts? Did, did you like those, or did you...?
1: I wasn't on board with that at all, really. I mean, it seemed like in movie, kind of movie parodies, but I wasn't really amused by, by them as such when they were doing a, a, a Chambara or Hong Kong-style swordplay movie at one point when they were d- dressed up as characters from those. So it wasn't really, you know, they, they were short enough, So, but uh, uh, if that... For people is memorable comedy, then I'm kind of curious <laughs> as to why. But, uh, but, but it, it's the same with that thing. That it, there's a movie in Hong Kong called Just One Look where they do this all the time. They reenact like moments from King Hu movies with Sean Yu and Charlie Choi. I mean, oh, this is going to be corny, but the, it, it all depends with the kind of sincerity you bring to it. And uh, it can work and it cannot work. In that case, in the case of Just One Look, I think it's uh, uh, kind of fun. But uh, I'm coming from a Hong Kong perspective. Maybe people more infatuated and more knowledgeable about Korean cinema can get scenes like the Fairground Park or maybe the movie parodies a bit more. So I'm, 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 I'm playing a little bit, I think, the card of not cultural difference, but not used to Korean cinema and not uh, into the whole uh, culture that is Korean cinema as such. Maybe.
0: And back to the... Movie reference when it was sort of like a sword play movie. Well, for her martial arts film, uh, it mentions that one of the references that they take the theme music from Ashes of Time oh, yeah. and had that playing throughout the scene. Well, throughout that parody.
1: Right. I didn't react to so, it as such. I only remember one piece from Ashes of Time because it's uh, such a long, not long movie, but a big movie to keep track of. But uh, uh, that's a good uh, way to uh, reference. Maybe it's. A- full-on reference to Ashes of Time and its characters, uh, uh, that short scene, but uh, I thought it was Rubber Corny.
0: I, I, I was just about to say, I found it cute in a sense, like, even when she throws the the wanted poster up and it just lands perfectly in the guy's face. <laughs> like, she, like Even in her script, she's still mocking the man. <laughs>
2: <laughs> to, to, the point you said about it, um, take the army scene, where it Sort of, she starts crying suddenly in, if you look at My Sassy Girl generally it's actually really quite even and restrained compared to a lot of um, maybe other kind of comedy, romantic comedy melodramas, those kind of films that you see mm-hmm. in Korea <clears throat> I mean um, one of the uh, not the next film the director did um, but the following film uh, starred um, the same girl, Jun Gen- Jun Ji Hyun and it's called Windstruck and that Mm -hmm. plays kind of like a prequel to My Sassy Girl and the first half of it is this kind of really um, again kind of wacky comedy to a degree but then that lurches into melodrama um, like the whole second half of the film is kind of really this big um, you know all the laughs stop and it's about someone in kind of mourning so um when I think when you kind of see a few of these other similar kind of films um, I think My Sassy Girl seems to make a lot more sense and it it kind of restrains its melodrama Sure um, Like I say it's, it's not what you see all the time the, I'm the same as yourself I I don't mind a film if it kind of uh, you know changes direction kind of switches around mm. but um in terms of uh, these type of films, this is actually kind of uh, a really kind of tame one, mm. <clears throat> if that, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, and, and on, on a basic level, you uh, do, do you see a lot of this mixture in Korean cinema? I, I mean, n- not necessarily like kooky uh, stuff and melodrama, but a movie being a bit all all, all over the place? Is that common? for Because Hong Kong cinema audiences obviously were used to that back in the day in the 80s and 90s. But is that a common thing in Korea at all?
2: Uh, In in some of the films, in different types of films. I mean, um, My Sassy Girl, after My Sassy Girl, there's a whole bunch of films that kind of try and reproduce the same kind of formula. I mean, this was such a massive film that in terms of um, audiences, I guess, Wanted to see more, but also the studios, the sort of filmmakers know that it's a relatively cheap, I guess, kind of romantic comedies, and um, there is this uh, big kind of comedy melodrama mix. But it, it does cross over into other films to a degree, like um, uh, My Wife Is a Gangster. Those have you seen My Wife Is a Gangster? No. It it's uh, it's kind of a cheesy comedy with like elements of this, of uh, like action scenes and it's, it's um, typical of the gangster comedy kind of genre of films which is uh, quite common in Korean cinema and those, when they try and kind of mix up say action and comedy or comedy and romance and melodrama and then they're it's not very often that they're smooth you know, they don't kind of take it um, from one point to the next, kind of necessarily kind of worry about easing the audience into it. They can kind of lurch from um, a serious drama scene to, which isn't, you know, uncommon in Hong Kong kind of films.
1: Oh, hell no. I mean, I, I'm looking at, uh, out of all random things, I'm looking at the DVD of Daughter of Darkness, which is uh, this category three film with uh, definitely films from black to white. In terms of its moods, and it's very like, oh my god, <laughs> did they just do that? So, uh, so I don't mind it at all. Uh, it's good, it's good fun, and even in like uh, JSA and Simple Fifth, Mr. Vengeance to a, to a degree, they do that. And I, I think it can, uh, can be jarring for some audiences that uh, the characters are kind of having fun, and uh, you have the deadpan humor in Simple Fifth, Mr. Vengeance as well, but uh, in particularly in JSA, I think. Uh, Maybe it's a more focused movie in terms of those characters, with border border patrol soldiers. They're just having fun. Really, it's mm-hmm. not uh, it's not uh, out of out of line. Really, to
2: be having fun. Well, I mean, if you look at um, Korean cinema, sort of like more general outside of the romantic comedies, and you look at Park Chan Wook films and Kim Ji Woon, who did um, I Saw the Devil and A Bit of Sweet Life. Those kind of um, even Bong Joon Ho, who did the uh, The Host. They they do work within kind of a genre structure and then they see where they can push it to. You know, The, the Host is a monster film. That's also like a family drama. Yes. Um, I think something like The Host, where someone goes into it expecting a monster movie and then ends up kind of with these, um, you know, kind of family drama elements. I, I remember uh, there was lots of talk. Uh, um, I'm guessing you've seen The Host
1: yeah, I've seen it, uh, and uh, that, that was an okay film. I wasn't fully on board with that mixture, though. But uh, overall, uh, quite right.
2: I'd, there's there's one scene in the host where the uh, the monsters grab the little girl, and the family go back to what's essentially a funeral and they're mourning, and they all fall over and they're laying on the floor crying, mm-hmm. and um, I think a lot of people didn't know how to take that. Scene, you know, was it a comedy scene? Was it a dramatic scene? Was it a because it's it's not played, it's it's played kind of straight, but it's a funny scene, and I think that's the kind of thing that you find more typical in Korean cinema. This Mm -hmm. kind of uh, um, so again, to take JSA for example, that's uh, when it starts. It's basically starting as a thriller. It's kind of like a you know what's happened. Uh, film and by the end of it, it's become like a uh, like a, a drama where the, the actual thriller elements have almost kind of like faded. Mm. Like during the film, it, it hasn't become like a who who done it anymore. It's kind of uh, this film about friendship between North and South, or you know, can they be friends? You know, they they there's this way of starting with certain expectations of the film. And then they maybe kind of turn it around in a different way. So
1: I really like that that idea if it's pulled off well. And JSA uh, is one of my favorite Korean movies because it is pulled off really well. And I I, I don't spoil it for anyone uh, other than the only thing I'll do when saying this is to remind viewers who've seen JSA that. It has one of the most brilliant ending shots uh, of any movie, where everything just clicks. The uh, zoom out of the photograph, I think, is uh, one of Park's most genius moments ever, uh, because it's so. The audience are on board with that moment. Aha! 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 And it was such a mundane moment early in the film, but uh, the, the photograph uh, is, uh, is just so wonderful, and um, yeah. But uh, maybe we'll uh, do a proper JSA show some
0: someday. Oh, definitely, definitely.
1: <laughs> so, about uh, so, so how about you, stu?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I just went with the majority vote and just really, really liked it. I, I think it was just watching it originally, and then re-showing it to my girlfriend, and then she went out and bought it. Well, imported it because it's never had a UK release, nor a American release. It's well, quite strange. I think uh, try to think back, because I'm pretty sure we'd spoke with Adam <laughs> Terrell about this at some point, and it was pretty much in the sense that it is like amazingly expensive.
1: Well, one like, of the limited no uh, editions is expensive. There's apparently an, an egg edition that is rare and very expensive when you do find it.
0: i mm-hmm. <laughs> Ah
2: right, you get the time cap sure. Yeah. <laughs> With a frog in it. Um <laughs> I I think I could be wrong but I think that the that Miramax actually bought the rights to it but they never distributed it because they were remaking it. Right. Oh so, right.
1: look at how well that turned out.
2: <laughs> yeah, I did, like I say I could be wrong in it but um yeah, that's what I think. <laughs> Merrimack's buying a movie and not releasing it? <laughs> but then they would have
1: cut it down to 70 minutes. Um, anyway. I, would have, I would have supported someone of that cutting, though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just... Mad love for the film, because it was, like, crazy over the top. It, it was completely fresh in my books, because... I'd always just watched so much of the kung fu films, triad films. I was never really into the full-on romantic comedies. Like I, I didn't even dare tread in like Hong Kong romantic comedies because, well, they never stood it. There wasn't like they didn't have this equivalent of a Mice Assy Girl mm. when I was looking at it. And then, like as I said, like people were saying you need to see this movie, and I got a VHS sent to me with it on it. So, of course, I had watched it, and, like, I didn't I didn't pay money for it. I was like, this was a... Like, I had nothing to lose by watching it, mm. and I did. I just pissed myself laughing at the main guy, just his overreactions, and when the girls threaten him, the creepy thing where her eyes just kind of pop out that little bit. <laughs> the fucking eyelids disappear, and, whoa! Fucking the scene telling the get get the lorry up for his elders like give him a seat and then she just fucking thumps him in the back of her head and like <laughs> shit I, nah, I don't want to mess with her yeah, she yeah she's
1: fuck. certainly clear in the head uh, about what's right despite being shit faced and that early scene mm-hmm. in the train like you give that seat to your elder
0: mm-hmm. so it was definitely refreshing it was like it was I, I just got on with the hype with everyone else and I was like this shit is awesome. Like, it's so funny. It's like, it goes on for a while, but it's good. <laughs> definitely, and it is. There's like, you you could feel tired. Like, definitely. Like the like scenes with the uh, the desert for the army could feel a little bit long, but it's it's it does when the movie develops, it does become so gratifying, and, and it's like the scene where she she basically just gets uh, gyun Hu to do so many crazy dares, where it's like I wonder how deep that water is so <laughs> the next thing you know she's pushing him in <laughs> and, or to the point where she's, oh like, that's pretty jokey, or like when she's got to, the, when they're both climbing the mountain and they're wondering like, if you go to that hill over there you think you could hear me, and he can't so like, well, go over there and find out and then it turns it, it, this doesn't go jokey, it just turns into this heartbreaking confession
1: that's a really well played moment I agree, I, I, I actually thought that was a well deserved like, emotional outbreak and she can only do it when uh, she doesn't hear, I, I thought uh, I thought it worked well
0: ah, it was uh, it, it just. Sh- it really does just shows so much heart it was like it is a moment i just like to like it does it's a, a heartstring moment where they're they're fucking being tugged.
1: and and <laughs> if they added like that uh, yo hisashi score from the studio GP films you, you would have been dead
0: i'll be pounding my fist <laughs> on the floor going Why? not him again <laughs> damn you joe <laughs> <laughs> but it was and it, it's mixed up with so many great scenes. Like I, I love like the wee parodies, like with the the swordplay one, the the Terminator one. But it's the one where it's actually referencing a old Korean film. <laughs> it it, it looks like uh, the like the it basically looks like a Korean version of My Girl, and the lassie dies and they're burying and they what they're sitting talking about how extraordinary she is and it's like actually wants to be buried with her boyfriend and he's lying there like upset and then he hears that he's being buried alive with her and he's just (laughs) like and it's right to the funeral and the coffin's being lowered in and then you just see the people dragging him to the grave and he's going (laughs) and they throw him in and he's he's screaming the guy he has he he has these brilliant audio cues where he just like being smacked with a shovel and just these great screams, <laughs> it's I couldn't keep my composure. I just had to piss myself laughing at that. It's just this parody. Exactly, we're buried boom. and it's the fact that like the mess a couple of times with a shovel, and the third time they just crack them on the head. Like, <laughs> Oh, that's it's it's so funny.
1: But, but uh, like a question to both of you: the, um, Did did you feel like uh, you? Uh, the the payoff emotionally was worth it. Did it affect you quite a bit? Uh, what do you think, Stu?
0: Oh, I definitely. It It just really did. It was. It just came across as this really brilliantly romantic movie, and everything for like that. The great music to like uh, Packabell's Canon playing it, and it is. It's to the point where me and Margaret's actually chosen that music. Uh, for like our wedding, because that it's that moment means so much to that scene in the movie where he walks uh, through the classroom with mm-hmm. the rose, and she's playing the piano. Like that exact music is the music we're going to be playing like during our wedding. So <laughs> like it does, it's it means that much to her. And when it's on and it's playing, there is that moment where we both glance at each other, because you know it is that special moment in there.
1: I can't say anything bad about it now. <laughs>
0: Some uh, uh, no, a bitch. Uh, no,
1: that's lovely. Uh, I, I like that thought. <laughs>
0: uh, it is. It...
1: The Yohisashi music, definitely not on that wedding. <laughs> not on that wedding. I'm crying all the way to be older. <laughs> uh,
0: oh, dude, I'm fear now already. No, Think about like... the cat's return again. <laughs> <laughs> you know that scene? Cows a cats where? Cows <laughs> affirm is just a bit. <laughs> <laughs> what was that V-Duck funny? Yeah.
1: Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> I like that thought.
0: <laughs> so, yes, I'm requesting a small piss break because the Diet Cokes went right to my bladder. So there, that's all the niceness. Dissolved by <laughs> the <air. laughs> Too much detail! What <laughs> the fuck? So... Right. You go. One last little break. <laughs> Then we could start discussing some uh, facts that I've discovered along the way. Hey guys,
3: this is Rufus from The Cinema Show and CineAwesome.com. I'm just checking in to give my reactions to your What is Korean Cinema, My Sassy Girl edition, which originally I was supposed to be on, but due to time differences, I couldn't make the recording fucking work. You know how it is. So I thought I'd start off with my own personal film history with Korea because you guys got to do it, and I was a little bit jealous. And so, yeah, so I got to go to Korea in 2001 when My Sassy Girl actually came out, and it was the summer. Uh, I saw Kick the Moon, and I left the country before My Sassy Girl actually hit theaters, so I wasn't able to see it right away. But I did see Kick the Moon in theaters, uh, which was a great comedy, and I got to see Shiri, which had just come out on uh, VHS and was horrible, but kind of a strange blend of how Koreans think you should make an American action film filled with melodrama. Uh, Anyway, it it was a strange beginning to Korean cinema, but my mind was kind of blown. I was like, wait, what? Koreans make movies? And I had been a fan of Chinese fifth generation film, uh, Japanese film. Hong Kong cinema, you name it, you know, kung fu, of course, and I was looking for something new, I was going, to, I was going to go to film school, I wanted something to write about that no one was really writing about, That was perfect, Korean cinema, no one's talking about it, you know, I went to NYU, people were like, uh, Korean cinema, you know, and they make movies, and so I spent a lot of time, you know, trying to convince people that yes, they make really good movies, and... I think my connection to Korean cinema and interest is more in the past than most people's. I I really love the the old films from the you know 60s 70s era of Korean film, which are a lot harder to find on you know until very recently on DVD. And with the success of you know, the house made remake that's currently in U.S. theaters and things like that, I'm hoping more attention is placed on the history of Korean film because a lot of people think Korean film began with Shiri, which is just totally not true. Um, You know, I I would like to say something where uh, you guys had been talking about how people compare it to Hong Kong film and saying it's the new Hong Kong, and I think that you guys were right. It really is a marketing device, And you have these people trying to sell Korean film to an audience that has never really heard of Korea before in a lot of cases. Like, for instance, in America, no one knows really anything about Korea other than North is bad and there was a war there once. And a lot of times people don't even, you know, I I say, oh, I went to Korea. They said, North Korea? No, really? No. Uh, So you have like this kind of, packaging of Korean culture in this Korean new wave that, you know, we're focusing on here with the What's Korean Cinema, and I think one of the ways was to sort of sell it was extreme film, which, you know, you had the Tartan and whatnot, and was, you know, really focusing on the the genre fans and the, the gore hounds and whatnot that had sort of grown up, you know, Category 3 films and the crazy Japanese films and that was a way to market it. And also, you had, you know, Shiri as one of the first Korean, big Korean films was an action film. So, what other country does action films? Oh, Hong Kong. You know, Hong Kong came out of nowhere, sort of, with their new Hong Kong wave. And then all of a sudden, you have Choi Hark and John Woo and all these guys making these crazy action films. So, of course, it's the new Hong Kong. And in a lot of ways, that's bullshit. You know, I think. It sells both Hong Kong films and Korean films short by comparing them. So you guys were right. Um, It's a Western term. Uh, I did want to just answer a couple questions you guys had brought up in the podcast in the opening. Uh, Ken, you had mentioned Nowhere to Hide, which is a fucking awesome movie, I think. Uh, I know a lot of people don't like it. But it's one of my favorite Korean films. And that was directed by Lee Myung-se. And he got a start in the 80s and 89, I think, directing Gagman, which is a really great movie. And then he did a a bunch of so-so movies during the 90s. Um, Then he did Nowhere to Hide. And then he came out with The Duelist. And then he came out with M. And he works fairly slowly because he is kind of tyrannical about his shots. Uh, I mean, it's all about composition with him. And he'll spend all night trying to light a background wall just right and I've heard stories about working on set with him, and I'm kind of excited to see what he does going forward. Uh, you'd also mentioned Save the Green Planet, which is another of my favorite movies, and that director, he hasn't done anything else, really. He, Oh, and the director is Zhang Junhwan, Uh and he... Did screenwriting for Phantom the Submarine, which is a horrible film. And then he married Mounso, uh, Mounsori, which is, who is the actress in Oasis. And then he directed Camellia, or Camellia, or whatever, however you pronounce it, in 2010. I haven't seen the movie. It didn't look that great. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I wish he would direct more, because Save the Green Planet was brilliant in its insanity. And, yeah, so that was about it. Uh, I, think, I think that you guys were pretty spot-on with your talk about Kim Kee-Duck and Bad Guy. And if you're curious to know my theory on Bad Guy, you can just go to Cine Awesome. There's a pretty good, you know, I'm proud of it, at least, analysis of the film. But it's pretty pretentious. So that's a pretentious warning, because I wrote it for film theory. Anyway, uh, so on to the review. My Sassy Girl. 2001 came out with a bang. You know, you had friend, friend, which was in theaters for since March and had, you know, had sold almost 8 million tickets nationwide, which is insane. Uh, that's double My Sassy Girl. And My Sassy Girl is number two in the box office, beating out even Harry Potter. And you had sort of, so Friend, which is this gangster comedy that had everyone talking like Pusan. Gangsters, Chingo Iga, and things like that. And then you had everything else, which was My Sassy Girl, Kick the Moon, My wife's the Gangster, High Dharma, My Boss My Hero, Guns and Talks, is sort of the top films of the year were all comedies. And I like all of the rest of the comedies much better than I like My Sassy Girl. And I think it's because, really, it's not the multi-mood experience, which is a brilliant phrase. Um, it's really, like you guys said, individual stuff works, but the whole doesn't. And now looking at it, I think what really bothers me about this film is there's no character arc. There's no real emotion for the characters. So watching this movie the other night, uh, my girlfriend was is this, said to me, is this the start of a, a TV drama? Because it really feels like that. It really feels like the opening scene of a TV drama. You have the setup of this emotional arc that's gonna be slow building and this friendship and getting over past trauma or you know, weird personality issues or whatever. And then all of a sudden you're two hours into the movie and nothing's really done, and then there's an epilogue and all of a sudden all of that character the really interesting character development has taken place off screen. And, you know, you don't really know how that happened or why that happened. And for me, that's a problem. Uh, It just doesn't work as a narrative device. And also looking at it now, sort of looking back, I think that when it first came out, yeah, Jun Jun Ji Hyun was, oh, she's so sassy, she's so forward, she uses, uh, you know... which is the sort of half speak this lowest form of korean that you can speak really to everyone you know she's so cute whatever and yeah she's still really cute she's still fun to watch she's the best part of this whole movie but on on the whole they have this really odd and abusive relationship but it doesn't break any boundaries it doesn't break any rules it's very chaste and it's very conservative you know they're still respecting their elders and You know, they still go to meet the parents and, you know, they don't make out. And when they're at the love hotel, they're not having sex, you know, and that's a big, you know, there's no physical relationship. And I'm not saying that I just wanted them to bang, although that might have made the movie better, but, you know, like that's, that's, it's not, it's not as transgressive as I think, you know, looking back on it as it had initially appeared, um, And that's also just the way Korean culture is now, is much more, you know, I would say, maybe even because of this film, I don't know, there might be a sociological study out there somewhere. But, you know, you have, like, Apgu Gongju, like the kind of rich Korean princesses, you know, with this really crazy attitude. And you have, like, you know, a lot more forward women and girls. And I think that... This movie loses its shock, and actually looking back, it's very innocent, which is fine, and it, you know, it sort of makes you love the characters more. Um, but I think that, on the whole, it, it doesn't work as well now, 10 years later. Um, and I think also the last thing I want to say is that you guys are totally right. The parodies do not work. I think it's a really great idea. And it would have worked really well in a TV series to have these sort of mini episodes. But the only one that works for me and the one that makes me still laugh, and yes, this movie is funny and I do recommend seeing it, but keep in mind it's crazy long and it doesn't work totally, uh, is the parody of the Korean short story slash film shower which is the one you guys are talking about which is the korean version of my girl which is actually a really really good way to putting it um and that is hilarious and him being buried alive is funny and it gets me every time and that's the part that's what this movie is about these little moments that would work really well in a either much tightly more tightly edited film Or as a longer form drama. Uh, And that's probably because it was based off of internet writings and it's hard to edit real life, even if I don't quite believe everything. Um, Yeah. So, anyway, great show, guys. I'm sorry I couldn't make it. I will be there for another show. Uh, Until then, uh, thanks for letting me have my say, and I'll see you later.
0: So, um, upon researching for this show, I did come across some uh, wee facts, some that's really well known, and some that I never realised until I was watching the movie again, and some that I never actually realised until we were in the middle of recording this episode. So, the most like notable fact that won't surprise many is the fact that in the year 2008, my Sa- well, the year of the My Sasaguro remake like that year it was remade in three different countries <laughs> uh, Japan released an 11 an episode television series uh, it also was released in India as a Bollywood film which we've mentioned uh, starring uh, Malika Sherawat who will be known to mostly uh, for working alongside Jackie Chan and the myth
1: oh. <laughs>
0: And of course, most notably is the remake, of the the American remake of the movie from Love Me If You Dare, director Yannan Samo, uh, that oh, Sa- director, <laughs> aye, starring uh, Alicia Cuthbert and Jesse Ford. And it is, like the front cover of the American movie does have right across the top, like, uh, from the people that bought you that brought you my big fat Greek wedding, like.
1: <laughs> Lock, blockbuster in the making, but uh yeah. Mm-hmm. that's um, how you sell it.
0: Yep. And of course, I went and I looked at the trailer, and everyone just looked dead inside. <laughs> I was. I was like the same. I, I was pretty much like, yeah, they're they're doing the same things in this movie, but where's the soul? Like, no, these are just puppets. I want the real thing. and swiped everything off the desk. I didn't realise I had too much coffee.
1: <laughs> and I wouldn't be surprised if they simplified the hell out of it. Just basically only did the beats without any of the kooks and quirks. Mm-hmm.
0: Because, um, because that's weird Asia. And it's strange right away in the sense that one of the the strangest mysteries about this movie is you never find out the lassie's name.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I, like we have this... Uh, I think it's a mainland DVD, but there's like not a bit of English on it, apart from uh, the hard-of-hearing subtitles. And it does. It ha- always has... Uh, it mentions the character name, then Dash, then the subtitle. So there are fucking a lot of subtitles at times. And it just comes up saying, uh, the girl, Dash, da-da-da-da, the girl's mum, Dash, da, 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 da. So like you couldn't figure it by putting the subtitles in, ah... Well, that's her name, but it's never there. Whereas the American one uh, cries her something. Jacket. Yeah, I like that was a wee bit Scottish there. Um <laughs> so, Yes. Uh, Jordan Rourke. Okay. What? Really?
1: She must have her name, otherwise we'll never earn it's, any money.
0: The, the movie's called My Sassy Girl, not My Sassy Trucker. I mean, come on. <laughs> Fuck off! Well,
1: apparently it didn't help. Uh, I guess you have that fact as well, too. Why it didn't help ah, to name it? But... It
0: did. It, it really much just like appeared out on DVD after being in limbo for years. Because, oh, well, saying it actually coined IMDb. It did get a cinema release in Thailand. Woo! <laughs> yeah, it, its opening weekend uh, pulled in twenty three thousand across twenty four screens. Lucky Thai bastards. Mm. But really, it's like I I don't recommend seeing this movie first. I don't care if it's being presented to you on a golden plate for free, like don't. But and even Martin suggested that the the Bollywood one isn't worth looking for either. Oh, I haven't seen it, but I've
2: seen the trailer.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: I think that that was all the beats on there. Slap slap slap
1: and mm-hmm. for an additional hour yeah. and there's some right. songs
0: oh yeah a little dance but I I'm gonna slap
1: be... you now and I just slapped you wanna die
2: <laughs> <laughs> actually the Bollywood version has got a UK DVD release oh no so the, uh, the American is it also remake... called? Uh,
1: is it called My Sassy Girl as well in English the one.
0: I really don't think so. Well, no, As uh, I know it's got the word ugly in the title. Ugly, are you palagai? No, pagli. Yes.
1: That's not it.
0: Ugly, are you pagli? <laughs> an engineer and student's life changed dramatically. <laughs> That's quite a big emphasis on that word. Uh, after the entry of an alcoholic spunky woman. <laughs> Right. Ugh. Ugh. I feel vile at the back of my mouth.
1: Yeah, well, well, maybe after all, it's the Korean one that reigns supreme out of all these. Uh, after all is said and done. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, as I said, I think of Mike and Way, but I'll, I'll possibly say it uh, twice. I, If I'd had access to the remake, uh, American remake, on my streaming service, I would have watched it just for the hell of it, but uh, it wasn't, and maybe that's all for the best. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be All great right. if I came back? This is fucking great. It's deep and it's emotional. And they're really good together in this movie. And she got a name as well. That's what I was missing from, the Korean one. I like this got much it. more. Kenneth, you are not allowed on to the Korean one anymore.
0: It would be this, the second you sounded happy, I would hang up on you. <laughs> <laughs> <be gone>. I <laughs> like this movie. It's called my 30 Girl. <laughs> like the bastard left like 12 messages on my Skype account. Just fucking talking about this movie. <laughs> But uh, some of the more notable trivia on this movie that are uh, uncovered on IMDb, well, they do have one notable part, and it's the sort of uh, supposed sci-fi subplot to the movie. Right. Where th- they do hmm. toy with the idea of time travel, like they keep mentioning how the girl's playing herself in these movies, and he questions her, and she says, "Well, in the future, there's got to be time travel," and. Then you could go back and do all this stuff. And in a notable scene at the end of the movie when the girl talks with an elderly gentleman, uh, there's a scene where she's reading the letter and notably a small UFO hovers and zips across the screen.
1: Well, in the background, I assume.
0: Oh, I, 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 oh okay. Is, because I don't of... remember that. Aye, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's... If... It basically kinda of looks like a Frisbee's being thrown, but then it stops, then it really just like fucking warp speed off into a direction. And you kinda of think, hmm, okay. Yeah, it
1: kinda of makes sense actually because no I, I was I think I questioned the fact that they, they were talking about the tree got struck by lightning and and now it's replanted. I was thinking like, did they plant the whole tree or something? <laughs> because these things don't grow in a year, so maybe yeah, there you go.
0: He pulled one out for the bottom of the hill. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but, uh, the quote does mention that uh, the UFO is actually the time machine that Kian uh, Wu as an old man, uses to revisit his past. And supposedly, I looked really hard last night when watching it, but <laughs> the same elderly actor is uh, seen in the beginning of the movie when they first meet. And supposedly according to an IMDB discussion page, he's also supposedly an extra in certain scenes, like certain important scenes between the couple. Mm. Supposedly he's there from the future in the background observing it. And that just kinda of, like what? That kinda of really just blew my mind, the thought of that. And we did, me and Margaret watched the the start of the movie and when they're on the subway and there is like I'm positive the guy's there sitting amongst the passengers it's no it's not clearly obvious it's not like they're standing there and maybe the future Kunwu gives the other Kunwu a dirty look or calls him an idiot and mm. walks away and you just think well that guy's just been a dick and it's no, it's maybe him telling them off for the future but it's not it's not even that obvious he's sitting amongst like a dozen other passengers who all look the same way when she throws up so it's it's bloody strange and kind of ingenious that There's these subtle... It's like easter eggs in the movie. Mm. Like how you have your secret DVD extras. There's just these secret references... Like... Installed in the movie and... The ode in this movie just... Like there's not a distinct feature among... Like on him. So he he could easily blend into any of these shots. Mm. Which could be easily as frustrating when you're trying to... Really find them in all these important scenes. (laughs) And I have been searching online and no one's done it. Nibdi's went and found this proof and posted like pictures with circled people. But it's so... It's like, I'm not going to be the guy that does it. <laughs> I don't have the energy to do this. <laughs> I will most likely need glasses by the time I'm finished. I will ruin my eyesight staring at a monitor so hard.
1: May you be in high definition, it will be a little bit more easy. Who knows?
0: I should, um, actually, I'll I'll post the image of the guy on the subway, and the guy at the end of the movie, and see if that's a connection there. But I'm sure it is. But it would have made so much easier if you had like, like a was like man, that guy's shirt looks futuristic. <laughs> like, maybe like the destroy all monsters. Like all sitting sit in a train. Then there's a guy head to toe in silver spandex, just looking, like down the train, and obviously <laughs> just kind of ignores him.
1: Or, or, or Doc Brown coming back back to the future with his uh, plan we, yeah, you got to come back with me <laughs> it's your kids <laughs> you'll uh, you become an asshole in the future <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: your kids are equally as sassy we need to stop it And pla- you're trying to remake this movie with Elizabeth Cuthbert <laughs> like Alicia <shush>. Marty you got to come back with me
1: <laughs> and and his plastic tie as well. His pl his transparent plastic tie as well.
0: <laughs> so and one of the like i literally just copied the trivia from IMDb and, and pasted like all like the entire paragraph into a Google search to see if there's more information on this because I needed to find more. I was craving it like a junkie. <laughs> and this forum which is not in English. Uh, actually, the person that posts this fact has, has his home location uh, as Neptune. It <laughs> <laughs> uh, leads me to believe that maybe these facts might not be legitimate. Was was but he from the future? I don't I don't know. This was posted in 2005. <laughs> this is a 77-page <laughs> forum topic that I am. That's all about my sassy girl. I am not willing to read it. But still, it's getting convoluted. This, it's fact, getting to this. <laughs> it is. like People, what? No, aye. Uh, there's one of the the scenes that was never explained to me that didn't really stand out too well was the the motel scene, where like the scene that's actually in the director's cut where he has to sign in, and it cuts to the shot of a article posted on the wall about uh, quintuplets. Like, it's that like quick shot where it just showed you, like, the guy there and there's all the babies sat in front of him, cut out and framed on the wall. And there's no subtitles that come up at that point. I'm like, That's, that means something, but my lack of Korean is leaving me locked out in the dark.
1: Mike Banner, solve it for us.
0: <laughs> it, it probably would have been as easy to find, like, just take that screen cap and show it to someone that knows Korean. And it could have helped us, but um, it actually mean. It actually, I'll just read the quote. Uh, News articles on the wall in the hotel room is an article about a couple who had quintuplets. Uh, quintuplets, in brackets, uh, grown up and played by the same actor, make brief appearances throughout the film. The hotel manager is one of them. The security guard in the subway turnstiles that stops Canwoo in the beginning of the movie is another the gangster boss in the jail is another. The fourth one is played by the man in the inter the intercom uh, inside the subway station when Kun Wu comes in and hugs the girl. And you could also notice uh, the same article hanging on the wall in the background. And he's also used a fifth time as a security guard whose face you don't see but <laughs> was the man that actually ordered Chinese food at the high school.
1: Alright. <laughs> <Very> so <laughs> Wow. Well.
0: One actor is used five times playing his quintuplet children. <laughs> what? Well, and it is, it, it struck <laughs> me strange in that one scene when you first see the, the hotel manager. And he's sitting on the floor. Yes. And it, it kind of looks like the way he's sitting with his legs dangling, is like, did this kind of like fall of his wheelchair and decide to just kind of like, grind his ass along to the room or something. <laughs> and then in the next time at the hotel, he's standing there, and it's not explained. So I was like, so much mystery!
1: <laughs> very, but, yeah, very involved uh, <laughs> director, dropping dropping things all over the place.
0: Oh, I definitely... I, I would never have thought, like, the subway guy, the gangsters, and... It, it's like... This guy had so much subtle nuances just injected into this movie that, like, shit, I, I would never have known it unless I had to look it up. now watching it new is going to have some more uh, replay value to it because I've got so much more shit to look out for this time. <laughs>
2: There's some people who've seen this a lot of times <laughs> to pick yes. up on this stuff. <laughs> it... It is actually saying that, um, I think I've seen it four times, and the time travel thing is, um, I think, sort of stands out more each time you watch it. There's, like, so many references. You probably pick up on it the first time you watch it anyway, but there's, like, all the way through references, even the story where um, her script, which is the, um, I think it's the sword fight, Mm -hmm. and she says, uh, oh, yeah, she came from the future. It's just like constantly all the way through um, Which is about I suppose Without kind of trying to give too much away If people haven't seen it It's a story of someone kind of living in the past um, Or dealing with the past anyway So, uh, mm. But yeah That's kind of uh, Mad level of detail You've just said <laughs> All that's in there
1: and not bad and, detail, really, I mean, uh, no, no. again, talking about it and uh, extracting, like, individual uh, ideas and stuff, I mean, uh, it's all good ideas, dramatic intentions are good, and, uh, and definitely when you were talking about Martin, about the fact that it's not very melodramatic, I kind of appreciated that, but I'm not a uh, very responsive viewer when when you have ten scenes of, you know, excessively crying, I like the moments to be earned, uh, mm. uh, a lost in Time, the Hong Kong movie by Derek Yee, is one such example for me where, where essentially the Cecilia Jung's character loses it in the middle of the film after keeping it all in. So uh, that's another example, you know, where eventually it's going to come out and, and hard. Hmm.
0: So um, I think we've done this movie enough justice
1: do watch it and decide for yourself.
0: Definitely. It is available on Hong Kong DVD, which is the theatrical version, but I'm pretty sure you could probably still find uh, the director's cut on eBay. Like, when we came across to this person, was we selling hundreds for, like, next to nothing. So, definitely, we we, we bought a bit like, we know it. <laughs> but, <laughs> still. <laughs> It's now became my preferred copy, even though I just went and spent money on a new one. <laughs> does it? Does it still have
2: the subtitles that explain every single tiny little things going on?
0: Yes. <laughs> it's brilliant in the sense where it's like who uh, like gasps and just like in fucking fear. <laughs> like in brackets, like oh, you subtitles. Thankfully, I I'm not an idiot. These
1: are Scottish subtitles. <laughs> Fact, <laughs> but uh, I having said that, the one version I watched was the Ed version, which is Hong Kong, and that was the director's cut, but maybe they issued both in Hong Kong. Who will fucking pick up that my sassy girl American movie as a rental it has, like it's the most boring cover ever. <laughs> he's smiling a little bit you know it's so indistinct, you know they, like, they, they did not even so uh, sassy, yeah, I mean, they didn't even uh, mimic like the Korean poster where. Uh, she's got in her head. Yeah, leg. exactly. I mean, they do something with it, but uh, there was no belief in that movie, and apparently, you know, not Yeah,
2: quite they, a... they should have renamed it not My Sassy Girl, but people who probably, maybe, don't quite hate each other. That's kind <laughs> of the look they've got on the, on their faces. It's <laughs> kind of like, oh, for fuck's sake.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They push each other gently every now and again, but nothing yeah. too much.
0: They just need to change the title to possibly a bad choice. <laughs> like as in, for a film in general. Yeah. <laughs> now we do actually have one uh, Korean cinema-related plug for our show, and uh, Martin's really uh, well. Martin's here to tell us about it as well. It's in the sense of the up-and-coming uh, Korean blogathon. Martin, explain it to us.
2: Okay, it's um, I don't know if you were aware of the Japanese blogathon, which was run by the Wild grounds website for the last couple of years maybe no
0: um i did hear of it through the v cinemas par- participation i think that's when we got flooded with the links when they were participating in the japanese blogathon well
2: what, what we've decided to do with uh, the new com and cineawesome.com um we're basically stealing the idea um and and hoping to run it as a, well we're going to run it as a korean blogathon so what the idea is is to just try and involve as many people as possible anyone who's got a blog or anyone who's got a website is just to try and encourage people to write something about korean cinema it doesn't matter what it is it can be like a Maybe a top 10 list or a review of a film or some comments on a director, just anything related to Korean cinema. And if they post it during the week, the 7th to the 13th of March, what we're going to do is we're going to post links to all of the articles from whoever wants to send us their link on both of the websites. Um, We're going to set up a Facebook page for it as well, and we're going to tweet the links as well. Basically, the the aim of it is just to get people maybe talking about Korean cinema and also check out each other's websites and just see who's interested, what sort of different opinions there are, maybe sort of highlight some websites that um, people haven't come across before. So it's just a way really just to kind of get a bit of talk going on Korean cinema. And uh, yeah, link up. So we're we're going to have the information on the site. I'm not sure when this will go out. We'll put the information on the site the first week of February. Um, I'd see if you can put us a link on your site as well, Stu. Definitely. yeah. And, uh, yeah, so really just anyone who's interested in any way or maybe they haven't seen Korean films before or just anything at all, um, if you're interested in writing something, it'd be great. Involve people in it, and if not, then... Uh, of course, there'll be loads of links everywhere for people to read some good stuff, so... should be good.
0: Yeah, definitely. We'll try and look to show some participation amongst it. Uh, definitely on the podcast and Fire website. Even, um... Probably would be an ideal time to actually post another episode of What's Korean Cinema. And what better time to post, a, a, like... What could possibly maybe like our third episode by then. Yeah, cool. And I'd also like to you have a shout out and thank Rufus uh, from uh, com and vcinemashow.com uh, for uh, his participation in this episode as well, like delivering that great uh, segment during our break. So, I've thrown out the gauntlet at the start of this episode for what movie we're going to take on next. Uh, what Screen Cinema isn't going to be a weekly show, it's most likely well, it's actually going to be a series. I... Posted today on Twitter, actually I think my phone shut out and didn't so I post this tweet. But yes, um, I do look into making this a six-part uh, podcast series. It's definitely not an ongoing podcast. it most likely maybe maybe six episodes a year, but definitely going to be covering like movies that I love a fucking passion. So look on, like I threw out, I threw out. Man, how many times have I started home about gauntlets and throwing at people? <laughs> <laughs> um, for our second episode, I, I tweeted whilst we were recording this one, What movie next? And I put up the option of Welcome to Dong Wall or Memories of Murder. And due to the public feedback, we will be discussing Welcome to Dong Wall. Hey, nice. So,
1: nice. Hey, so I haven't seen that, so I, ha- I have seen Memories of Murder, so new movie, yay!
0: Mm -hmm. and can't wait to talk about it. So, um, Ken, you got any uh, final thoughts on my Sassagirl for us?
1: Too fucking long.
0: It has got this bit of trivia quoted, and the line underneath of that's in a different language, could be saying, that is utter bullshit. (laughs) IMDB and, and I could be sitting and saying, Oh my god, did you know that? This guy is like him and, and like ah and they both they're both called Kim <laughs>
1: I like that enthusiasm stupid. You're gonna adopt that personality, you know, each show you get to uh, you know
0: first reply button like you're lying at your ass. <laughs> But but he said on the internet that...
1: (laughs) I've got proof. It's on Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I entered it myself.
2: Yeah, but then I always think that you should maybe just make a fact up and chuck it in and then just see how far it goes. Just see where it turns up (laughs) on other forums or...
1: (laughs) No, she's a shit eater <laughs> <laughs> Hurry Don podcast on fire
0: <laughs> Next rate a deleted scene where she fucks him oh. mm-hmm. Yeah he he's the true hmm. sassy girl. <laughs> See the way he walked after it <laughs> Walking around <laughs> the fucking heels <laughs>
1: My sassy girl, uncut. My sassy girl, nights.
2: uh, You just ruined the whole film.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, that was the thing. It's a like part one, part two, then overtime, and then it should just cut to that shot of like home movie footage. Of him screaming, <laughs> and just her going, "Hannah," and just saying, "Want to die?" <laughs> <laughs> oh.